Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. We're sounding the warning call. We're reminding our leadership, you you need the votes, and we're begging our leadership, listen to us. It's my understanding that we can get more information through an inquiry, and if that leads to evidence of impeachment, then so be it. You're saying the system is capable of manipulation, right? Yes. You're not alleging that it was actually manipulated. Correct. Well, it could have been. We don't know. It's definitely a bittersweet decision, and it comes with a lot of mixed emotions. I, If I can be very candid with you, I just feel exhausted. We've been going in ongoing litigation on the DACA program since 2017. She's shown that she doesn't even trust herself as a valid and credible source when commenting to the federal government on policy issues of housing. A common practice amongst advocacy organizations was to utilize templates to submit a shared chorus of support or concern on policy priorities. And with me to talk about the ongoing speculation about whether Blake Masters and or Kerry Lake will enter the GOP U.S. Senate primary, the U.S. House launching an impeachment inquiry against President Biden and more are a pair of former state lawmakers, Regina Cobb, who also served as chair of the House Appropriations Committee. Regina, good morning. Good morning. And Reginald Bolding, former House Minority Leader. Reginald, good morning to you. Good morning. So let's start with uh, the U.S. Senate and uh, some a couple of interesting <laughs> conversations, Regina, that, we, that were reported this week. Let's start with one uh, between former President Trump and Blake Masters, during which, uh, according to reports, President Trump basically told Masters, you can't win if you're going up against Kerry Lake. I yeah, I saw that. Um, I honestly, I it wears his place to say that. And I I'm disappointed that uh, you pick a winner before the primary. And, you know, he does have unduly influence. We, We know that. So for him to say that kind of puts her in the lead seat. By doing that, do you think he's right? Um, probably, I I do. But you know, you just I think it's inappropriate to do that. Uh, to allow them to go out, allow them to do their to do their job. I think she's the front runner for sure. Um, would I vote for her? I'm not sure, but um, I think she's very divisive. But I I do feel that he was inappropriate for him to say that. Reginald, do you, I'm curious what you make of, of what Regina said, that even though he's probably right to some extent that and, and I think the conventional wisdom, the polling has suggested that, you know, even though she hasn't officially entered the race, that if Carrie Lake were to enter, she would be the front runner, the favorite to win. Is it appropriate for somebody like President Trump, even privately, to say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't in your best interest? I mean, if we want to be, you know, completely serious and transparent, I think that at every single level from, you know, United States president to U.S. Senate to school board member, you have folks who have private conversations with potential candidates and say, hey, I think you'd be good to run or no, I don't think you would fare well. And so, I mean, I, you know, with, you know, uh, president, former President Trump as the leader of the party who probably will get the nomination, you know, he's probably thinking about who he'd match and pair up well with 
in a battleground state, which is the state of Arizona. He thinks that a you know a Trump Lake you know uh, you know pairing in Arizona at the top of the ticket at the top yeah. of the ticket would be would be better. Um, so I you know I, I I think that's I think that's his call. Now the question is whether or not does you know. Blake Master, you know, kiss the ring and do exactly what, you know, former President Trump says. I I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's several private conversations. Uh, this became public. I don't think it's a coincidence that it became public. And, and I think it is pushing a, a larger narrative. What's interesting, Regina, is that these are two candidates who both got the endorsement of President Trump in their last races. Kerry Lakes seemed, it came earlier, and Masters seemed to maybe be a little more reluctant on the president's part, at least if you're basing on timing uh, of the endorsement. But it also doesn't seem as though at this point, these two potential candidates, these two people are, are getting along all that well. No, I don't, I, I don't think they are. And uh, I think that this just magnifies it as far as, you know, he, him putting it out there. Just what you said, Reginald, I don't think it was by mistake that it got out there. Mm. Um, I think it's on purpose. Uh, and we do have private conversations. It It's probably not as blatant as that was. And uh, I think the private conversations are usually, what do you think your chances are? How do you think you're going to do? Maybe offer some advice, that advice. kind of thing. And you know, you want your best candidates in both parties to be at the top of the ticket. And so you kind of want to to go that direction. I think the way it was done was very inappropriate. So the Daily Beast uh, also reported the the phone call between President Trump and Blake Masters was reported by The New York Times. The Daily Beast reported on what it described as a tense phone call between Masters and Lake themselves, during which uh, the, the organization reports, among other things, Kerry Lake allegedly said to Blake Masters, you ran and hid under the bed when it came time to talking about uh, fraud in the election. Like, you know, as people might have said back in the day, them's fighting words. Yeah. Well, back then it probably was. Uh, I think that he probably did the best thing he could do at the time and uh, not not address it. And he knew that. And so when she uses that against him, he was trying to get he was trying to get the nomination. He was trying to be able to be there at the top of the ticket. And that was what he did. Uh, And using that against him is disingenuous because we all do. We all like not talk about things that we feel would probably be uh, uh, offensive during our our election cycles. So, Reginald, from a Democratic standpoint, I guess how much do Democrats hope that these two candidates both get in the race? You know, we are literally sitting back with a a big bag of popcorn and just, you know, (laughs) watching the show. I mean, you know, you you know, you see candidates calling out other candidates for not believing in something that wasn't true. And that's not making you, you know, a quality candidate enough. It's just I mean, we're just fascinated by it. I I mean, I, I truly believe whether you have, you know, Blake Masters or Carrie Lake, you know, Democrats uh, feel that, you know, neither one of those candidates represent the values of Arizona. Arizonans literally, you know, a year ago, you know, reject rejected both of those candidates. So I, I, I just, you know, we're sitting back and we're watching. And um, I, I don't think this is helping those independent voters who often choose to decide what's going to happen at the top of the ticket um, say that, you know, they're going to line up behind either one of them. Which you've seen over the past years, um, especially recently, over 50 percent now is is independent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's really majority. where you're where you're uh, 
power lies, which is why Christian cinema is, I mean, kind of uh, going to be a, a hard one to to overcome. Well, so we should mention Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb is also already in this yes. race. Let's not leave him out. Yes. But I'm curious, Reginald, if you think it, assuming we know that uh, Ruben Gallego is running from the Democratic ticket, we think maybe Kirsten Cinema is going to run for re-election as an independent. She hasn't said yet. Let's assume for sake of argument that she does. So you have Gallego and Cinema. Does it matter for whether or not Masters and or Lake get in on the Republican side in terms of how somebody like Ruben Gallego will strategize going forward? So, yes, it matters with regards to, you know, one to three points, you know, but, you know, there is no history that we've seen. There's nothing that we can see that that's showing that an independent cinema and, you know, a Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate you know, that there's a pathway to victory for the independent candidate. And that's, 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 I just, I've never seen it. I've looked at the polling, the data doesn't align. I mean, I do think if you have, you know, a Blake Masters uh, or a Carrie Lake, you know, they're going, I can't see a, a Masters or a Lake voter that then shifts to cinema. I don't think they're the same people. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I honestly don't think that it's going to play too big of a role. I, I still don't believe, you know, uh, the senator is going to run. Uh, that's 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 my theory. Again, hmm. I have no inside information there. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I, I just don't think that it will change any outcome of the race. Right. I disagree yeah. with him on that. I feel um, like which she part? You is think she is going to run? Yeah. Okay. Well, eventually we'll find out, right? Well, one of you will be right. Um, So, guys, let's go from a U.S. Senate race to a state Senate committee. Yesterday, the committee set up to vet nominees to lead state agencies uh, had an interim. uh, During the interim hearing, uh, they were speaking with uh, Joan Service, who is Governor Hobbs' nominee to lead the Department of Housing. And the panel ended up rejecting her on a three to two vote. It was a party line vote with Republicans against and Democrats in favor. Basically, the, the chairman accused Ms. Service of plagiarism for essentially taking Similar comments in advocacy, uh, in advocacy emails, but also there was something maybe from Bloomberg News that, that she had uh, used as well. I'm curious what, what you made of what, what we saw yesterday, Regina. Um, I didn't get to watch the whole committee, and I know you and I had mentioned this last night, and I think that this is um, this is just indicative of what's been going on with the confirmations as they've been going along. Um, did she do something wrong? Probably. Um, does it affect what her job is at this point? I'm not sure. Um, I think that uh, I think there's 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 been some some contentiousness between uh, Senator Hoffman and our governor. And I think this is another issue that's going to it. It just accelerated that. So, Reginald, we had you on the show I don't know how long ago it was, but this issue also came up. And you at that time were advocating for Governor Hobbs to basically go around the Senate and just appoint people to to other positions and have them do the job of leading the agency. Do you think after this, like, could this be it that that leads the governor to do that? Look, my, my opinion is that I, I truly believe that the governor should, you know, go ahead and start appointing people to the assistant director role. I mean, again, there's precedent to do that. I mean, the the committee has been hijacked um, by, you know, Senator Hoffman. Uh, I mean, some people even call him the de facto Senate president, you know. And I, I truly believe that you can't 
you know, truly, you know, have a, a government in a system that's running um, effectively if you're only putting politics into the issue. So the, I know. So Miss Service, she didn't do anything wrong. If you're part of advocacy, we as as lawmakers, we get form letters all the time, form emails all the time. So for uh, you know, misservice to be part of an advocacy coalition that's sending out emails, that's sending out letters that are advocating for and against an issue, that is completely normal. And even just the, you know, the reporting that I've seen of, you know, alleged plagiarism, I think that's just even very inaccurate to, you know, uh, to even from a reporting standpoint, you know, people look at the headlines. She didn't do anything wrong. This was something purely political that was premeditated that, the, that Senator Hoffman knew that he was going to bring up, but it should have not played a role in the process. Regina, do you think we, we heard from Senate President Peterson when he was on the show a couple weeks back that he had told Senator Hoffman to hold some of these hearings in the interim to see if there could be some nominees that the Senate could vote on when they come back in January. Is it too cynical to think that any further hearings we get between now and January will be only for nominees that that committee can reject? I'm hoping not. I'm hoping they're actually doing their job as they go through, and I would hope that that the Senate still gives confirmation. I think there is precedence that is set in the past that the governor has actually just appointed, but I, it's not the protocol it should go through, uh, and I'm hoping she doesn't do that. Uh, let's let's work through the system, uh, but I it might be cynical. Uh, I'm hoping that President uh, Peterson really had good intentions in mind mm-hmm. and was hoping for for good outcome. Regina, let me start with you because on this next topic, it involves something uh, fairly close to, to your neck of the woods uh, in Mojave County. The Arizona Senate this week said it was going to sue the Biden administration over the new national monument that uh, he made at, around the Grand Canyon a little bit earlier this summer. We know that a number of lawmakers uh, on the Republican side were not thrilled with this. They held a, a meeting up in, I think, in, in Kingman or Lake Havasu to basically say this is not acceptable. So maybe it's not such a surprise that, that they're taking this step? Um, definitely. I don't think it's a su- surprise. It was up in Kingman. And yeah, that's my old, that's my home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. I uh, I feel strongly about this. I think that he overstepped his bounds. I he think being the president. The president okay. Biden did. I, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, this is an area that has been uh, pretty much a hunting uh, reserve. It's been uh, camping. Uh, not a lot of people go up there, so it's already kind of pristine. I was up there last year, uh, so and I spent probably two weeks in this area. And I think that it is an untouched area already. What happens when they become a national monument, then it then they start closing off the roads to uh, to driving to be able to to visualize the areas. And we already have a lot of national monuments in Arizona. There is not an, a reason really to have created another one. Reginald, do you think that the Senate, I mean, none of us are our lawyers in this room, but I wonder about the issue of standing, if the Arizona Senate, for example, has standing to sue over this. And I wonder if it will ultimately have the, the desired result in terms of having a court overturn the, the, the move of the Biden administration. Well, one thing I think is important to, to lay out is that, again, as the, you know, Secretary Holland mentioned that, you know, right now the National Monument only includes federal land. So it does not include any state land or private land. And, you know, all 
property rights uh, that state and private landowners have, they will remain the same. Also, you know, there was polling that showed that this monument is overwhelmingly supported by Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. So, where did that polling so, come so, from? So, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's important for us to to really take a step back and say, look, at the end of the day, um, you're going to have state lawmakers who are opposed to the Biden administration. They're going to, you know, they're going to try to sue as much as they can in order to gem up support in 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 for the 2024 election. But I don't I think it's going to get tossed out like we've seen every other case uh, that has had no standing that we've seen. from. And our I state don't Senate. think it's drumming up it, uh, support for the 2024 election. I think it's has a lot to do with that. We already have a lot of federal designated land, one of the largest in the United States. Well, and there is a little bit of precedent here, right? I mean, I don't know how apples to apples this is. But when former President Obama uh, named uh, Bears Ears National Monument, that the Trump administration came in and got that reduced a little bit. I wonder if that if there might be something that happens like that where the whole thing doesn't get tossed out, but maybe the, the boundaries are narrowed or something like that. Um, I would think that the possibility that there is a strong possibility that if we do have a Republican president going forward, that they would throw this out. And I would hope completely uh, this is an area that's why I said it's very remote. It's it's easy to get to, but it's uh, it's remote as far as uh, how and the and the properties are all on dirt roads. Uh, it's already uh, in an area that is pretty limited as far as what the public can do in there. There's really no reason for it to be created and and narrowed down. Reginald, speaking of uh, President Biden in 2024, uh, House Republicans this week, the Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, announced that the House would open an impeachment inquiry into President Biden and his family. Is there any reason to think that this is not about 2024? Again, I apologize for asking a cynical political question on this show, but like, is there reason like is there something here beyond beyond politics in the next election? There is nothing here beyond politics. This is all politics. Um, and. You know, I, I, I get it. We've seen this sort of drip media cycle and, you know, uh, you know, Republican talking points at the national level regarding the the, for, the president's son, you know, uh, you know, Hunter Biden. And, and now they're just continuing that that narrative, which uh, is trying to, you know, uh, you know, hope that something something sticks. So, I mean, again, I think one thing that's important to uh, note is that there has been no evidence connecting anything that's happening with Hunter Biden and the president. Are you kidding? Um, and the, there, there has been, oh, has been absolutely gosh. nothing. Well, Richard, do you think do you think that this is simply about politics? Or well, do you think I there's do something think more? it is about politics, uh, it, and it is a tit for tat. We they did this to President Trump, and now we're doing it to President Biden. Uh, but to say that there's no evidence is unbelievable. Uh, and I think the investigation is a stronger investigation. If it ends up going to court, it's going to give them a, a, a larger hammer when they go to court. I, I, no, I, I think we definitely have to push back. You know, there's no evidence that has that we've seen that have shown that President Biden has done anything illegal. There, what there, about there, the whistleblowers? So, so well, no. so I mean, I think a lot of that will come out probably during the inquiry. But I'm curious, Regina, if you think that, like, we've seen some moderate Republicans in the House trying right. to urge Speaker McCarthy not to do this. Does this impact people potentially like Congressman Siskamani in southern Arizona or maybe even someone like David Schweikert, who's in kind of a, a swingy-ish type district, potentially? Um, it could. Uh, but I do think that uh, 
I I think it's going to probably stay more national. I don't think it's going to – I think it could, but maybe a point or two. I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as, as they think. And I and But it is politics. I think that it, it's bad politics on both sides. I, I think it, once the president was set uh, and Nancy Pelosi did it, uh, then we followed suit. And both I, – I think it's it, it should have gone through Congress and they should have – you know, had a vote, but it president was set, and now you now here you are. We're 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 playing like I said, tit for tat here. Well, so is this the new norm then? That every time there's a president with a Congress from the other party, like they're just going, there's going to be some amount of impeachment going on. I would hope not. I would hope not. I hope this is this is just a sign of a down down cycle in our politics right now. I think it's been a. A bad situation over the last probably four years, and I don't feel that this is normal. Um, I'm hoping we have some statesmen that would actually be in there and do the right thing and go through the right protocols. All right, so just a couple minutes left. I want to ask you both uh, quickly about a ruling from a Texas judge this week uh, that for the second time ruled against the DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Reginald, is there anything that makes you think that Congress will take this up? Because eventually this will go to the U.S. Supreme Court. And, you know, there's a lot of concern in the DACA community that the Supreme Court will agree with this Texas judge and say that the program is illegal, that was created by President Obama illegally. So do you think that there's any chance that Congress will take up the the cause for for this population known as Dreamers? You know, the American public hasn't had a lot of faith in in Congress, Um, and and for good reason. You know, we're we're facing another debt ceiling crisis that's coming up again. And, you know, there's there's so many issues that we really hope that Congress could actually get into the room, iron out a deal, and agree— that's why you've had to see, you know, President, you know, Trump, I'm sorry, President Biden really be, you know, the the adult in the room, whether it's through executive orders or programs, because Congress is not doing their job. Um, I, now, do I think that they'll get something done, you know, before uh, any type of legal action? I, I don't. And that's unfortunate for, you know, so many families who are stuck in limbo uh, because, you know, lawmakers can't actually do their jobs. Regina, do you think Congress will act on this? I don't. I'm, I'm like Reginald. I think that they've been uh, ineffective for a very long time. So I think that it's it's they're not going to do this. Do they need to do something? Yeah. I think this needs to be a bigger picture, though. It's about immigration reform all the way around. Um, and I think that this is the DACA has to be part of that. All right. We'll have to leave it there. That is Regina Cobb, also Reginald Bolden. Guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.